Welcome to Frontline Church, South OKC's podcast, where each week we upload a new sermon from our sermon series. If you have any questions or concerns or need prayer for anything, feel free to reach out at hello at frontlinechurch.com. Thank you. All right. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. While you guys are finding your seat, I want to say welcome. Thanks so much for coming to Frontline this morning. Hey, if we've not had the chance to meet, my name is Andrew. I get to serve as one of our pastors here. It's really good to have you with us today. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, hey, today's going to be a very different day in a lot of respects. As you probably have noticed, we've got kids in the room, and parents, that might stress you out. I just want you to know it does not stress me out at all. I grew up as one of 10 kids, so like loud noises just makes me feel at home. Um, if at any point, though, you're like, my child is insane, and you need to like kind of break free and get out to uh, kind of deal with that, feel free. To my right, your left is what we call our den, and there's a space there where you can still continue to hear what's happening in here and also have a little bit more uh, privacy in there if you need it. So that's there. Hey, if you're here today and maybe you're visiting with this or maybe you're here today and you're uh, not sure what you believe or sure that you don't believe, either way, I'm really glad that you're with us today. Uh, today's going to be sort of a party for us. There's a lot worth celebrating, and we want to slow down as a church, and we want to look back and reflect on what God has done. And so rather than you hearing me blab on for 35 minutes uh, in a sermon, we're going to briefly do like a five or 10 minute sermon, and then we're going to kind of shift to some stories of what's been happening. So today's going to be a lot of fun. But the one thing that I would ask from you, especially if Frontline's your home, is like it's very appropriate and right to be happy about all that God's been doing in the life of the church. It's okay to applaud. It's okay to cheer. It's okay to smile. So hopefully that's something that you'll feel free to do. Uh, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2, while you're turning there, let me pray for us and we'll jump in. Father, thank you for the gift that it is to gather and to celebrate and to remember all that you've been doing, uh, not just in our lives, not just in our families, but in your church. And we, uh, we're grateful that when we were uh, lost, when we were dead in our sin, when we wanted nothing to do with you, we're thankful that you came for us. We're thankful that you would love people like us. God, we are, we are such a mess, and the fact that you set your love on us and your favor on us, your grace on us, it's, a, it's not what we deserve at all. We're thankful for that. So we pray today as we reflect that you would fill our hearts with not just joy over what's happening here, but joy over the fact that you're the king who reigns and rules over this entire globe. All that you're doing in our world, we're thankful for that. So come and move, we pray in your name. Amen. Um, I, I don't know if this has happened to you yet in this time of the year, but chances are it has. Every year I get to this place, this time of the season, and all of my rhythms are totally thrown off. Uh, all of my normal habits and disciplines have sort of completely gone out the window. I've been eating like hot garbage all week long. Uh, and I made the mistake of like looking at myself in the mirror and I was like, I sort of look like the Grinch right now. Like the Grinch body type is what I have going on. And I, I even got on the scale, and as a guy who's traditionally been skinny, that was a horrifying process of like, how did I gain 15 pounds in the last month, you know? And all of this is happening, and so what happens in this time of the year is we start to get that like angst to get our life together again, right? To get the disciplines back, to look forward to what needs to change and what needs to shift. 
And all that's great. I hope you do that. I hope you have the New Year's resolutions in play. I hope you figure out what new routines and healthy rhythms look like going into 2024. But one of the things that we do really, really poorly is slowing down long enough to actually just reflect on all that has happened over this last year, both for good and for bad. A lot of us don't have a rhythm of slowing down and looking back and remembering and then offering that to the Lord. Well, that's what we want to do today. We want to carve out space as a church family just to slow down and actually look back over the last year so that we don't do what Charles Spurgeon said is so often the case. He says this. He says, we write our benefits in dust and our injuries in marble. It ought not to be so. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a, a person, and I don't want us to be a church that has really good memory of all the brokenness and all the wrongdoing that we've experienced and all the things that people did that were you know, horrible, and we can quickly recall all the injuries, but when it comes to all the ways that God has moved and worked and been at work in us and through us and in our church and in the city, man, we want to just slow down to actually remember and celebrate. In fact, if you read scripture carefully, what you're going to find out is that this call to remember is consistent throughout scripture because we consistently are forgetful people. Uh, one author said it this way, the scriptures themselves are the invitation to remember. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That shows up again and again. Remember the Exodus. Make a pile of stones, referencing that time where God even told the people of Israel to build some stones, this tower of stones, just to look at and remember what God did. Remember the Sabbath. Come again to the table. Break the bread. Drink the cup. Remember. I mean, literally everything we do as a church, everything we do even as we gather on Sundays, from the time that we sing together these truths about what God has been doing, opening up the word to remind ourselves of who God is and who we are in him. And when we come to the table, the bread and the cup, everything about our gatherings are meant to help us remember. And so what we want to do is just slow down and do that. And what Paul has to say to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 is a really, really helpful place to go. So I'll be real quick. Here's the first thing. Look at verse eight. It says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. The first thing that I want you to see is this call to remember the gospel. Now, this is really ironic in a sense, isn't it? Who is Paul the apostle writing to here? He's not writing to someone who isn't a follower of Jesus, He's not even writing to someone who is a brand new Christian and is still learning kind of the ropes of Christianity. He's not writing about remembering this small piece of doctrine or weird theological nuance. Paul the Apostle is writing to a pastor named Timothy, and he's having to tell this pastor, hey, don't forget Jesus Christ. Don't forget Jesus Christ. And I just have the sense that like if Paul the Apostle had to remind Pastor Timothy not to forget Jesus, then you and I as followers of Jesus, even if you've been walking with Jesus for 50, 60 years, we might also need this call to not forget Jesus as well. Amen? It's really easy for us to become gospel locals where like if you live in Colorado too long, you don't even notice the mountains anymore. It's sort of like if you live with Jesus long enough, it's easy to you know, sing these amazing truths about who he is and what he's done and sort of yawn your way through it. And Paul is writing to kind of stop that pattern and say, don't, don't forget Jesus. Don't forget Jesus. Remember 
this good news of the gospel. And then he goes on to tell us two specific things to remember about the gospel. He says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Remember the resurrection. Remember that God is not dead. Remember that God is not in a tomb somewhere. His bones aren't bone dust in Israel somewhere. God is very much alive, and he's very much alive as Jesus. That Jesus did not just enter the darkness at Christmas to be born as a human child. He also lived for us, died for us, and then rose again so that we might have life and light in him. Remember the resurrection. Remember that Jesus, right now as I'm talking to you, has a heart that's pumping blood through his ventricles. Has, has brain waves that are firing right now as we speak, that he's blinking his eyes, he's hearing us talk, he's seeing and knowing what's happening in our lives. Remember Jesus, and remember that he's alive. And then he goes on and he tells us one more thing to remember. He says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. That's an interesting line, isn't it? The offspring of David. It's shorthand for the Apostle Paul. It's a way of describing the messiahship or the kingship of Jesus. It's, it's a way to point to the fact that Jesus is not just alive and then on vacation somewhere. He's not on an island with Tupac, assuming Tupac's still alive, as I'm sure you do. He, he, he's not just like kind of hanging out somewhere far away from us, but he's saying, don't forget that Jesus is alive and that he is also the king of every king. He's presently reigning and ruling over this world right now. He's actually fully present and fully aware of what's happening. And this is big because Paul the Apostle, as he pens these words, hey, don't forget Jesus, don't forget the resurrection, don't forget that Jesus is king. Where is Paul pinning these words from? From a cell in Rome, and he's literally weeks away from being executed to death. Paul the Apostle is pinning these words that probably, on a human perspective, is the darkest, the darkest uh, season of his life. And in that season, what's big in Paul's heart and mind is not his chains. They're not the fact that he's in prison. What's big in Paul's heart and mind is the fact that Jesus is alive and he's the king. And this reorients your whole life when how you think about suffering or tragedy or brokenness or whatever it is that's happening in your own life or in your family or in the lives of the people that you love, what's, a, what's so blatantly obvious for Paul is not his chains, but the fact that Jesus is alive and he's the king. And then he's going to give us one other thing to remember, not just about the gospel, but actually about the gospel's power. Look at verse 8. He says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. The offspring of David is preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, notice this line, bound with chains as a criminal. He's in jail for preaching about Jesus, so he's literally bound as a criminal, like I said, weeks away from his execution. But then he says this line, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Remember the gospel, and Paul is going to tell us, remember the gospel's power. I love this line. He says, I'm in chains, but the gospel's not in chains. And there are two ways to think about life on this planet, two ways to think about the world. If you're Paul the apostle, the first way you could think about your reality right now is this is the darkest moment of your life. 
you're in jail for preaching the gospel. And history's going to tell us that the same day the Apostle Paul was executed by Rome is also the same day that the Apostle Peter was executed by Rome. So two of the most significant pillars of the early church, these leaders, are executed on the same day. And in addition to that, the emperor, Rome, uh, the Roman emperor Nero, had started a fire in Rome and then blamed that fire on Christians, and that fire had burned over half the city to the ground. So this massive uprising happened where all of Rome started fighting against and persecuting and killing Christians. I mean, this on a if, if you're the church and you're the small gathering that's sort of gone underground and your two significant leaders have just been executed and all of your friends and all of your family members and your little house churches are getting beaten down and arrested and thrown in jail and persecuted, this is really, really dark. This is a bleak moment for Paul. And yet Paul is going to remind us of another way to see the world, which is through the eyes of the power of the gospel. And in fact, this is the way that God tends to work, is what looks like death is actually the very thing that God uses to bring life. So Jesus dies on a cross, and Rome's like, solve that problem. The religious leaders are like, we got rid of that guy. And yet Jesus actually, through his death, unleashes resurrection life on those who would look to him. It's actually through the Apostle Paul's imprisonment that the gospel goes forward in power. It's actually through the, the persecution of the early church and Christians getting martyred that that becomes, as theologians have said, the seedbed by which the early church grows. So what looks like the darkest moments from another perspective are actually the moments that God is using in powerful ways. Philip Towner says it this way. He says, Paul sees through the mirage of Rome's power structures to the reality of God's power. He may be in bonds, but God's word remains unbound. Out of death, resurrection. Out of imprisonment, the powerful message of salvation. So, so think with me like this, and I've, I've mentioned this before, but this is mind-blowing to me. If you're a Christian 2,000 years ago living in Rome, Rome feels really, really big, and the church feels really, really small and fragile and insignificant, like, like a candle that could be easily snuffed out. And yet today, if you're to get on an airplane and travel to Rome, do you know what you would find? That grand, big, scary Roman Empire is now a pile of rubble, and people travel from all over the world to walk on top of it and to look at ruins. But today, right now, if you got on a plane and you flew to Rome or Mumbai, India, or Ghana, or Iran, or all over the U.S., even here, right here in Oklahoma City, South Oklahoma City, do you know what you, you would find? The church of Jesus Christ alive and well, doing just fine. This is the way that God works. And I love this song that Martin Luther wrote called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Listen to the lyrics. He says, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The, the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. 
So friends, I don't know where you're seated right now. Paul is seated in prison in chains as he writes this letter. I don't know where you're seated right now. I don't know if 2023 has been an epic year for you. I don't know if it's been a tragic year for you. Maybe some combination of really good things and really painful things like most of us. But no matter what is happening in your life, though things might feel bleak and dark and hard, the gospel is not bound. God is at work. God has been doing things in our church. He's been doing things through people like us. I mean, friends, look around. We are a hot mess, and God has been doing things through people like us for the sake of his own glory, and we want to just pause today as a church and celebrate that. Amen? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to uh, hold out your hands for just a second where you are, where you're seated, and maybe just close your eyes for a second. Whatever 2023 has held for you, the good the hard, the, 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 the scary, the, the painful stuff, all of it. Hold it out to Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, man, can I just invite you to offer your life back to God again? As you step into this next year, offer your life back to God. He's been with you all this year and he's gonna be with you in the year to come. Father, would you meet us today as we hear stories of grace? Would you cause our minds and our hearts to be overwhelmed with celebration, not because we're great. We, we are not great. We are a mess. But you are so good that you would not just save us, but you would use people like us, and we're grateful. Come and move, we pray in your name. Amen. You guys, welcome up Tyler Lindsay as he shares some stories. Yeah, good morning. Hey, as we talk about stories of what we've seen God do in our community groups, this isn't like uh, Garth Brooks's greatest hits of Frontline. Uh, that would be a great album probably, uh, but we're not doing that. What we're doing is what Andrew said is like there's a weird way that God's uh, decided to actually uh, uh, move his kingdom down to earth, and it's through broken people like you and me. Um, you're pretty underwhelming, and I'm pretty underwhelming when we're honest with ourselves. So we do this projection to other people where we're not that underwhelming, or, <laughs> and uh, we just are. And as a collective whole, we, you know, get some things right and then we get some things wrong. And what we've seen over the past year is the way God has got things right through broken people like you and me who get things wrong often. And so uh, we remember in this moment that we actually scatter. Like what we do on Sundays is really important. And the next thing that's very important for us as a church is actually scattering the six days between Sundays. And we scatter for three main things. We scatter for discipleship, care, and mission. And so I just want to tell a few stories about uh, those three things. And so when we think about discipleship, we've experienced God form Christ in us as normal men and women gather in discipleship groups throughout the week to confess sin, to process how God's invited them to grow, and to apply the gospel to areas that they need to remember it. So we've seen this through people who've never been in community groups step in and do that scary thing that all of us had to do at one point when we were new and say, okay, these people will inevitably hurt me and probably underwhelm me. When will that happen? I'm going to submit myself to that. And we've seen that happen. And these people who would say, hey, I was pretty lonely. I walked in. Maybe some of you are here today. I walked into this church and felt really alone, felt really unknown, felt like we were just doing Christian pleasantries. I started to get known by people. And now I'd say I've experienced God's love through deep relationships. That's happened over the past year. Uh, We've seen this in individuals who uh, have been humble enough to say, I'm not okay, or my marriage is not okay, and not to do the thing that's like, you know, last season we were in a bad place, but like, hey, currently we're not in a good place, and we've seen people submit that to their discipleship groups and uh, submit the the thing that they don't want to do but are actually willing to do and go to counseling. 
uh, we've seen people like say, like, hey, you, like, you're not okay, and that's okay because I'm here. And we actually think together with pastors and with professionals, you might be okay one day. We've seen that happen. And one of my favorite stories uh, from the last year involves a member of our church who invited a coworker who didn't follow Jesus over like a year ago. This isn't like a started this year, ended this year. It's like well on into 2022. Uh, and this uh, person who didn't follow Jesus, invited by a friend to come here, got to experience uh, proximity to a group of normal men uh, over the course of a year. And we're actually celebrating this month God saving him just because he got to safely process. Uh, yeah, you can celebrate. <laughs> Golf clap half a year like, it's not cool when God saves people, you know. Um, it's okay. We'll pray for you guys at the end. Uh, but what, what, what happened is he got to process slowly. Hey, what does it mean to follow Jesus? I'm, you know, I'm not from the Bible Belt. What does it mean to, and slowly over time, got to, God waked his soul up and saved him. And that's something to celebrate. Just because people like you and me have met collectively, consistently in discipleship. Eugene Peterson coined this phrase, long obedience in the same direction. If you follow Jesus for longer than six months, you know that that's the only way. It's long obedience, hopefully in the same direction with lots of ebbs and flows. And as we've walked in discipleship, we've also gotten, to on, gotten the honor of carrying the burdens of one another this past year. This is probably the area I feel so proud of our church. I get a lot of reports from our community groups of like, hey, here's how group went, here's how group went. And there's just been a lot of suffering. There's been a lot of pain in our church. And we've gotten to see the really cool thing uh, of members of actually being cared for. So over 20, in 2023, we've seen groups move towards the hurting, the depressed, and the suffering. And many of our groups sat with members grieving the loss of siblings, parents, and babies. Our groups have moved towards those uh, who've received life-altering doctor diagnosis. We had one group coordinate a collective effort to get a man to and from chemo so his wife could actually just keep working. Um, we've uh, had people pay for bills when people have lost jobs. We've had a whole group show up to help a, a new mom to our church get established in our new home. And, and I just think about a world that prioritizes and is going to advertise to you to buy into individualism. There is a type of Christian compassion bleeding out of our church that just makes my heart really courageous to like see what else is going to come in the next year. And as we've learned how to care for each other, we've actually stepped into the cares of our city as we've scattered on mission. So from annual school supply drives, medical professionals giving their time away at More Faith Medical Clinic, and then one of our hubs partnering with a local pregnancy center in Southwest OKC, we've seen groups demonstrate what the kingdom of God is like. We have empty nesters caring for little kids at elementary schools. We have singles who have stepped into fostering by themselves. And this December, we had groups visit nursing homes and supply furniture and home supplies to a single mom coming out of addiction. Many people are wondering what the kingdom of God looks like. They see Christians all the time with bumper stickers and things on their shirts. And they're like, man, I wonder what that would look like if Christians actually lived like that is true. It looks like these things, friends. So over 2023, our groups have walked out what it means to be a church for the city as we've scattered on mission. And these stories of discipleship, care, and mission have actually led to things. They've led to 22 baptisms, nine sets of community group leaders commissioned to lead, many people added to groups that have never been a part of one, and so many single and married people quietly walking out their callings in the home and the workplace. As I thought about 2023 and the life of our community, I'm dwelling on this quote. It says this, God and Jesus' great work of redemption was not establishing a series of isolated personal relationships with his individual followers. He was creating a family of sons and daughters, siblings who are now all one in Christ Jesus. 
The saving work of Christ, therefore, has a corporate as well as an individual dimension. The church really is a family. And that's true of Frontline South. We're working to live out that reality of the family of God, and it's happening not because we're really great, but because God is. Because God actually delights in empowering weak uh, and frail and fragile, forgetful people like you and me who show up to church once a month or to, to show up to C group once a month. It's like this slow effort of long obedience in the same direction. God delights in infusing his kingdom to earth through those, those actions. So all of this is actually cause for celebration. All of this is actually cause to look again about how God chooses to confound what, what our world says is really wise. Rather than getting the elites, he gets the lowly like you and me. And so I'd love for us to actually celebrate what God's done as we look forward to 2024. Amazing. So we asked Tyler to just kind of gather up some stories from community group and what's happening in the six days between Sundays. And he was like, I have pages and pages. (laughs) What do I do? And uh, so, man, we could go on and on. And I just think back to 22 people going underneath the waters of baptism and their stories. We could tell all those stories again. These are stories of local, real impact because the gospel is true and because Jesus is alive. These are things that have had real local impact. But you want to know something really crazy. This little church in South Oklahoma City, just us, uh, along with our other congregations, we have actually been able to see global impact uh, as we've supported and planted Cornerstone Church in Mumbai, among other places. And so today, surprise, Danny and Nazia Joseph are with us. They just got back. Come on, guys. Listen, if you've been a part of our church for like any amount of time, and maybe you've never met the Josephs, you are being introduced today to family members. Two years ago, we laid our hands on these guys, and we sent them to the other side of the world to be a part of a church planning effort. These guys have been laboring for the gospel in Mumbai, India, and if you've been here for any amount of time, you've probably been here when we have prayed for these guys, and we've prayed for uh, Sujith and the, and the team over there. But today, you guys flew back on Christmas Day, and they're here with us. And so we were just like, we can't share stories of local impact and not share stories of global impact because Jesus is alive, not only here, but uh, on the other side of the world. So step over here, and I want to just ask, man, we're just going to ask a couple of questions. But um, tell us first, like two years ago or or, you know, two and a half years ago, you guys were completely rooted here. Your whole lives here. You've lived in the U.S. your this your whole life, and all of a sudden you were like, "Hey, we think we're going to go to Mumbai to be a part of this church planning effort." How did God bring you to that place that you decided that this was what you were being called to? Yeah. So our story kind of started like a lot of things in Frontline start um, with Don Bellflower, and uh, if if you guys aren't familiar with Don, she's a real godly older woman who we consider a mentor. And she came up to us and actually said that she was in uh, a meeting with Sudith, who was the lead pastor at Cornerstone. And um, she asked us just to pray about potentially being um, part of that church. And, you know, at first we were like, oh, I don't know how seriously we're taking this. Like, are they just saying this because we're Indians, right? Like, what is, <laughs> like, we don't have any background, in, like, as far as ministry goes. 
but we thought we'd pray about it. And I think the more we prayed, the more we processed with our community, the more we realized, man, the need in Mumbai was really great. And, um, and then so we, we spent some time talking to Sujith, and then we decided to go. And that was about 2017, then COVID hit, and then at the end of all of that, then finally we decided to um, go to Mumbai. Incredible. So you guys were gone for two years, and, you know, like, like the stories that Tyler shared, I'm sure there are lots of evidences of grace, but what are maybe a couple that come to mind as you think about your time at Cornerstone, Mumbai? Yeah, I think the, one of the biggest evidences of grace is for us, where we, know, we knew we were going to be there for a short amount of time, and it was just two years, but we were able to make really deep relationships. We were able to really share the gospel. We were able to, like, see the openness of people and just just to see how they processed the gospel being so different than here. I think that was really good for our heart. What would you add? Um, I think one way we saw God's grace was to uh, really get favor from people around us. And we were able to have some really good friendships and really deep friendships in the last two years. And we know it's only the grace of God because we're not really that great of people to hang around. Tell us about your friends that you could get to preach at South by Southwest. Yeah, so we had a, we had a friend who was – it was – it was a really sweet time. So we um, actually, we had started a youth study, right? So our church was really small. So we didn't have a lot of um, youth in our, in our congregation. So we went kind of around the city and we got a lot of um, the Christian youth together. And then we did a little apologetic study. And um, we had been doing that for a little bit of time. And then one of my, uh, one, one of the uh, teenagers there, uh, her mom came one time, and she actually connected us with her husband, who was um, kind of exploring the claims of Jesus at that time, right? So it was really cool just to see um, her faithfulness in that marriage for a really long time. So we were actually able to, like, sit down with him, go through the Gospel of Mark, and just just to process with him um, what it means to actually follow Jesus, what it may- means to take a decision to be baptized. And, like... Um, and a lot of you might know this, but in India, a decision to be baptized is a really significant thing. We were actually able, it was actually a few weeks before he was baptized, we were able to go with him to his uh, father's funeral. And I remember even the believers saying, hey, don't say anything about this because they won't let him do any of the funeral rites there, right? But then by God's grace, just about three days, maybe before we left, he finally took the decision to be baptized and we were able to actually put him under the water. And that was just a really sweet time for us. So good. So thinking back on your time, I mean, you're saying you guys completely picked your lives up, no ministry experience other than what you knew here, um, and no experience, you know, being in the country. What were some things that looking back, you're like, ministry was surprising there in different ways than it is here. What do you, what do you uh, look back on? Yeah, I think for us, one of the most kind of surprising and kind of a funny thing, too, is just to see how much we actually take for granted um, the Christian subculture we're kind of in in Oklahoma, right? So it's like you can say certain things and people will understand it, even if they're not believers, 
right? So I remember one time, it was after a church service, and a really godly, uh, a really godly Christian friend kind of pulled us aside and said, hey, do you realize that you saying without any sort of context, there is a fountain filled with blood, right? And then we were like, after reflecting on that, we're like, yeah, we definitely sound like a cult out here, right? So it's like just little things like that you have to explain. I remember uh, one of our friends, uh, we had invited him to a Sunday service. And so we went to his house for lunch. And he's a non-Christian. And we were like, okay, what did you think of the service? And he was like, man, we love the part where you guys did karaoke. <laughs> so just little things like that. Like that was surprising, just how much you have to translate. We're actually working through changing Pastor Will's job title to Pastor of Karaoke. <laughs> That's hilarious. Man, so if someone were here and they were just like, okay, I see these guys had no ambition <laughs> to leave Oklahoma City and take off to be missionaries on the other side of the world, but I, I feel a stirring what what would I maybe what would I maybe do to take steps towards any kind of mission work like that? If you were speaking to yourself from 2017, what would you say? Yeah, I would say the the biggest thing is to just where you are, whether you you're planning to go overseas or not, to pour yourself out for the local church, because I think one thing we saw, and this was another kind of surprising thing how much the rhythms that we've learned at Frontline actually transferred well. Like the, the leadership here has really thought through how to best reach people. And even like our friends who are, Nazia was able to like lead a Bible study uh, with one of her Hindu friends. And they went through, mo again, most of the book of Mark. And they were able to have really significant conversations. But all of that started because we did a third space, right? Because we had a game night. So I would say just these basic disciplines of how, if you're able to share the gospel here, I think there's language things, there's cultural things, but all of that transfers really well. So just get really good at that now. Um, I think my encouragement would be if you feel like you have an opportunity to go, um, I think you really should consider going. Um, you know, kind of talk talk through this with your pastors and your community um, and there is a huge need out there and um, by God's grace like I think we're well resourced here and you guys were able to support us when we were gone so uh, we would all love to join alongside you guys and send you out man so proud of you guys for stepping into the difficulty and the unknown we have prayed for Cornerstone Mumbai regularly and prayed for you guys by name regularly. But help, I'm, I'm, one of the things I'm excited about you guys being back with us in this community now is just helping us know how to pray. So would you kind of just give everybody a glimpse of that community, that church, Cornerstone Mumbai, what's going on there, and how can we step into prayer with you for them? Yeah, so kind of demographically, um, man, God, God has poured out such grace on, uh, on the church in Mumbai, right? We started out meeting in a living room, maybe 10 to 15 people. And now we were actually, by God's grace, able to rent a space. And we, we run about 50 to 60 on a Sunday. And it's, it's really cool because we actually have a lot of people from different faiths come in, right? So 
Um, primarily, you have a lot of people that are Hindu. We have a few people that are Jain or Muslim that are able to come in as well. And it, it's interesting because it's weird because it's also kind of a secular city, right? So a lot of people, um, a lot of the same objections about religion generally um, are things that we have to answer there as well. So I think the biggest way that you could be praying for us is that our people are able to share the gospel well. And I, my heart is also really for praying for people who are considering the claims of Jesus. Um, there's good things about being a communal culture, right, about being a very family-oriented culture, but it's very hard for somebody who wants to leave the faith of their families, right? So, so that's one way you could be praying for, uh, praying for the church there. Do you add something? Yeah, I think one specific request at this time for our church in Mumbai would be for God to raise uh, leaders. We're seeing a lot of new people coming to church, and uh, they come from Hindu backgrounds or secular ba backgrounds, and we really need Christians to help them lead them. So if you guys could just pray for that. Amazing. Can we do that? Your kids have been troopers. Thank you guys so much for sharing. Hey, I just feel like... Um, it would be amazing for you to lead us, one of you to just pray, and then can we just like stretch out our hands and agree and, and, uh, and ask God to continue to move in that little community. He, God is saving people there. The church is growing. The gospel is going forward, and we just want to pray that God would just throw gasoline on that fire. So would you, one of you guys lead us, and we'll just agree with you. Awesome. Father God, we thank you for being so good to us. And Father, we thank you especially for, um, for just gospel partnerships. Father, we thank you for just this room of people who have supported us and prayed for us and loved us and really have a heart for India. So Father, we pray today for the people who are considering your claims. Father, we pray for people who are actually counting the cost of following you. And, Father, I pray that you would be so precious in their sight that, Father, it'd be like the, uh, the pearl of great price, that they'd be willing to s sacrifice their, their family and sometimes even their safety for the sake of following you. Father, I pray for leaders. Father, I pray that you would raise people, raise people who are passionate, raise people who are capable, raise people who are gifted, raise people who love you in order to lead the people in Cornerstone. Thank you for our partnership with Frontline. Thank you for all of the good that they've poured out on us. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate all that God's doing there and through you guys? Yes. Amazing. So grateful that God has brought you guys back safely and uh, into, back into this community. Piper's had a day. Y'all have been here all morning. Hey, Here's the way we're going to uh, end our service today. It's so good for us to take time. We don't want to just be people that look, look forward. Although we're doing that, we, it's good to stop and pause and thank God and look backward. But now I, I, I just want us to come to the table again. We're going to end our service the way that we have for the last 52 weeks and by God's grace the way that we will for the next 52 Sundays. We're going to take hold of the bread and the wine. So will you stand up with me? And I uh, just want to invite you, if you're a follower of Jesus today, to come to the table and receive fresh grace. And remember, this is a meal of sustenance. 
The same grace that has sustained us, the same grace that has saved us and sought us and bought us is the grace that's going to carry us into tomorrow, into the next week, and into the next year. Amen? Hey, so if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to come, receive fresh grace, receive the bread, receive the cup, and then come back together. Come back to your seat, and we're going to receive this meal together. Hey, if you're here, you're a guest with us, maybe you're, you're uh, checking things out, not sure what you believe. If you're not a follower of Jesus, let me just say, hey, it's not weird at all for you to not receive this meal. It would actually be weird if you did receive this meal. I want to ask you to just, just hang back. Uh, this is a meal of faith. This is a meal of hope. And uh, this is a meal for followers of Jesus that by, by faith have, have, have received the truth of his life, his death, his resurrection. If you've not done that, we'd love to talk to you about what that means, okay? So when you're ready, followers of Jesus, come, receive, go back to your seat, and we'll take this together here in a moment before we send you out.